Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions, the show where Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars, is the subject. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud. And joining me once more in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. He's one heck of a dancer, but guess what? Aren't all Blylex? Oh, <laughs> Blylex. Blylex. That from is Blyloft. Bill, from Blyloft. You're going to be seeing me ride, riding dirty down Ryloft. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's probably one of my favourites. The fact that my name goes in so many Star Wars stuff is a bit worrying. I won't <laughs> lie to you. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, anyway. How the heck are you, Jabba the Hud? You absolute king. I'm very good, especially since I came out with Blylex at work today. It was a, it was a close round thing, but we got one in the end. There was you 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 had a moment. You had a you had a mystical moment where you were I had an epiphany, were, an epiphany where you were like, "Oh my days, Blylex." It, it came to me. And I, was like, to. I was thinking about Luke's hair and how <laughs> how lovely it looks, and it made me think of those um. What, uh, lep- leptus, whatever, the, whatever the things are called off off the Twi'lek's head. And I thought, oh, Blylek, and I bet he can dance as well. But we yeah, I had a good weekend, mate. Went for did some exercise for the first time ever in a long time, anyway. And I'm still recovering from it. But the, the road starts now. But other than that, living the dream, mate. How about yourself? Oh, mate, that is great to hear. Yeah, we've had a naughty little weekend, really. Me and my <laughs> missus. Um, Spent some time at a wedding fair yesterday, which was Ace. For those of you who don't know, she runs a cheeky little baking company called 27th Baking. Look them up on Instagram and and the like. It's great. Um, But yeah, went to a wedding fair, dropped off a wedding cake on Friday. So and and spending time with family. So it's been really, really ace. But I tell you what, geezer, it's episode 30. Episode 30. 30. Of the galactic breeze. Can you believe that? Where is the time gone? Before we know it, we'll be doing our 50th uh, show special special and everything. Then it'll be 100 and 30 has come out of nowhere. So, well, yeah, thanks everybody for listening and helping us get to 30. And thank you to the best damn co-host in the galaxy for, uh, well, for steering the ship in the right path. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. And by now, if you are listening to our show, you might have noticed that something... Just something is actually a little bit different. Mm. What could that be? Well, it's the it's that delicious, spicy, absolutely galactically gorgeous new branding that we have (laughs) of Star Wars sessions. Have a look right now. If you've not seen it, which you know is impossible because you probably would have pressed on this and you know played it. Anyway, we're gonna ignore (laughs) that. Look at it again. Right, so so the silhouettes on it, the one on the left, that is yours truly, Master Luke Blywalker, and on the right is Matt. They are our silhouettes, and you're you. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, what beautiful person has designed this? And let me tell you guys, it is not Matt or myself. Oh. It is none other than our good friend over at Dovetail Design. Okay, it's Isaac Pevy who runs his bespoke little 
Design House. Oh, he's based in Kent in England, and his designs are wonderful. He does websites. He does graphics. He does designs. He does the lot. The dude is a genius, and we are so happy with the way our new branding looks, honestly. What, what are you thinking, Matt? It looks sleek, and it looks shiny, and I'm not just saying that because Isaac's probably going to listen to this. I generally think it looks incredible. I, I love the fact that he's got my best side as well, even in silhouette form. And Luke's hair still looks perfectly quaffed as well. But honestly, the way it captures that <laughs> 70s design aesthetic, the colours just pop off the black background. It looks incredible. And I'm so pleased and I'm so proud for people to see this and to associate that with this little show we do uh, in Essex over here. So Isaac, fantastic uh, designs. Thank you so much. Dovetail Designs, guys, check it out for your design needs. Just based on that design alone, I check it out. But I've seen some other stuff he does and... It is top class. It's very, I mean that it's as well. very Macquarie-esque, isn't it, yes. our new branding? It, it, it's, it's so Macquarie-esque, our new branding. Honestly, it's incredible. Um, but Isaac does everything, guys. If you're thinking of like starting up a business, or you might have a current business, or you want to get a project going, you know, go to dovetail.design. That's all you need to type in. Go to Google, right? Or anything, any browser, any search engine, whatever, dovetail.design, right? And go from there. And uh, those guys over there, Isaac, he'll be able to help you and, and create something truly, truly special. He's got great hair as well, and he can dance as well. So the complete package. Absolutely. Right, so I think that takes us into our news. Let's do it. Let's talk some Star Wars. What's been happening in that there galaxy, Blyden Voss? Well, the galaxy has been pretty busy this week. In gaming news, Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Matt, have you ever played Jedi Outcast? Luke, I have not played Jedi Outcast. It's been out for about 17 <laughs> years and I've never played it. I do have a Switch, or I, I, I don't, one of the kids, and I do have a PS4, so I can play it, though. Absolutely right. Have you played okay, it? that's good to know because, that, do you know what? I haven't. <laughs> this was so, so Jedi Outcast actually came out on PC back in 2002, and this was during the era where there was like a Star Wars game game released every six months or something week. crazy. Yeah. Um, it, 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 and it felt like that. Um, but honestly, so, so I'm looking forward to giving this a little cheeky play. I've seen some YouTube videos of, of it being played, and, and that's about it. Um, but I'm looking forward to, to maybe giving this a cheeky little go. It's meant to be coming out in early 2020. Mm-hmm. So that looks pretty tasty. Sadly, though, I do not have a Switch as of yet. So um, sad, sad days for Lukey Boy. But on the plus mm-hmm. side, it should be coming on PS4 as well. So I'm gassed for that because a man's got a PS4. Man's got to get his Star Wars fix as well. We've both got PS4s. Find us, play us. Yeah, it's uh, if I remember, it's set after Return of the Jedi. It's Kyle Katarn, the kind of like one of the e- well, the legends of legends. If you will. The infamous, the infamous, the infamous so go, Kyle Katarn. Yeah, and you go and take down, you go and take down Dark Jedi's. You get to play alongside Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, it looked like a fun game. It's certainly set, you know, the graphics of its time, but there's a real retro charm to it. But no, Vic, I'll, I'll probably download this when it comes to PS4 and give it a go. Yeah, me too, mate. Me too. I'm I'm just glad to be getting like lots of Star Wars content. It, it's just the fact that it's a re-release and also it's the second game, isn't it? It just seems a bit random. Yeah, there's another game. I think it's Jedi Academy. 
that's coming that's coming afterwards and that's so i think it's the, i think it's the follow up to this game it came out a year later and it's i think it's fairly similar you get double bladed lightsabers this time so they're bringing out two of the two of these retro games but that did throw me somewhat when it said jedi knight 2 i was like well what about jedi knight 2 maybe it's because um like they know there's not going to be any more Star Wars games for like ages after Fallen Order or something. Right. There's no, there's no <laughs> plan to do Battlefront Three apparently, so let's just re- reel out the old times. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what it sounds like right now. And we're getting Felucia soon though. Oh, I can't wait to play no, Felucia on Battlefront Two. I love a bit of Battlefront 2, I won't lie to you, mate. I was playing a cheeky little round uh, an hour or two on the Battlefront 2 on the weekend, and it was so fun. I, I love that I, I need to play a bit more. I remember once, story for you listeners out there, I was playing on Kashyyyk, uh, you know, the, the, ma- the major game, like 40 versus 40, and there was a guy on there just standing yeah. on one of the platforms, not doing anything. So I went up to him, and I zoomed in his head, and I shot a few times. It was none other than Luke Bly. There was I was playing. Oh. It was great. It was just because uh, obviously your your username, which I'm aware of, was was then. I was mean like Hank Cheech. That's the one. And I was like, that's that's Hank. That's Luke. I was like, I was sort of waving the gun in your face. But obviously you were waving waving me a computer at the time. But you were just standing there, just a fodder, waiting to be gunned down. I was on your team, so I couldn't. I tried to protect I was... you, but I got shot off the platform. I was I was in a moment of zen in <laughs> yeah. Battlefront Two. Yeah. Yeah. I was just chilling. I was I was thinking of uh, what it was really like being in the five oh first and what was coming up, what challenges were coming yeah, up. Some idiot started waving That's his gun in thinking. front of you. True story though, hundred percent true story. Yeah. True story. Hashtag true story. Hashtag Hank Cheech. We've gone on from gaming news and uh, another bit of news which I found interesting because this is the kind of thing I love, even though it is mm, retcon to the max. But Lucasfilm have they tied up a big <laughs> plot hole that the prequels themselves actually created as you know in return of the jedi uh, luke skywalker asks leia do you remember your mother your real mother and she said oh you know i have small memories she was sad beautiful she died when i was young then the prequels came out and she died when she was very young she died when she was about six seconds old so how does she have any memory however the one of the latest star wars adventures the annuals has actually kind of started to has actually given us an answer to that which i find pretty satisfactory i'm interested to see what you think but essentially the it's princess leia is a young child and you know as kids do she's running around the palace gardens she's having a bit of fun but she finds a statue in a garden and it's the statue of padme her mother and uh, queen breha the adopt her adopted mother basically sits her down and tells her all these stories about her mother and tells her that the spark that her mother has, you have that too now. So it's we're kind of saying is is that what she kind of clung on to all these stories that her adopted mother told her? That's how she knew about her. That's how she knew that maybe she was sad. She could see that she was beautiful looking at the statue. So is that where she got it from? And obviously, and for those who know canon in the Princess Leia comic run. There was a moment when Leia is actually on Naboo and she passes a, a photo, I think it is, or a picture, sorry, a, a portrait of Queen Amidala. And the, the the portrait actually kind of, in her mind, looks at her, so it follows her across the room. It's quite like, beautifully creepy. So it kind of had, you got the impression that she had this connection, this unknown connection to this mysterious woman who, unbeknownst to her, was her mother. But then thinking about it now, how would she not recognise? But then, how would she not recognise her? Well, I suppose the, I mean, the statue in the garden was 
was Padme, whereas the portrait was Queen Amidala in full kind of big old hair and all that. But in terms of the yeah. actual way they tie it up, you know, her adoptive mother telling her stories, I th- to me that's satisfying enough. I didn't need to know some kind of like forced flashback or anything like that. Just the simple idea of family and family talking about family is it's what Star Wars is about. So I, I, I thought that was a good little retcon, but did you think it, it was okay or did you think it was a bit... No, I, 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 I tolerate it because I think, you know, not all these things don't always need explaining, right? Because is it a plot hole? Yes, it technically is, right? Annoyance, yeah. But the thing is, is that Star Wars, Star Wars isn't always technical, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the, the, tr- the truth is, this isn't really an issue that I always had a problem with because, you know, Leia is force sensitive, right? She must have had visions of her mum, maybe. Um, you know, maybe the force was was connecting her to images of her mum, of certain memories of Padme, you know, and this sort of thing, this sort of canon material might just aid that. And, you know, I, I kind of buy into it. You know, it doesn't bother me too much. I'm, and that's why I'm kind of on the fence with this. I think it's not a nice little gesture. It kind of makes sense. Is it a bit on the nose? Mm. I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, but, you know, all in all. I don't mind it, and and I've I've always kind of bought into that anyway. What what bugs me is when the double standards come in, when people like point out plot holes in the prequels, point out plot holes in the sequels or in the standalones, but, yeah. but don't point out the plot holes in in the whole saga or in the original trilogy, right? Because stories full stop are full of plot holes, right? And we've discussed this many times, um, but it's just one of those things. So yeah, I, th- I think it's it's a nice little. Um, anecdote you know and it adds it kind of adds maybe a little bit more logic to to that sentence uh that leia says in return of the jedi and i'm i'm on board with that yeah it's the kind of stuff where canon ties things together nicely same as galen urso fixing the little um quote-unquote plot hole of the death star having a weakness rogue one tied that one up marvelously and this comic it's not going to be widely people you know most fans aren't ever going to read this but for those who do uh maybe that's why i gravitate towards it because for those who actually do like the small percentage of fans who are going to read this, it's a nice little tie-in to when they go back to watch Return of the Jedi, Luke's favourite Star Wars film. When Leia mentions that, they can flash back to this scene and it kind of has a bit, little bit more weight to it. So, yeah, is it the biggest news in the world in Star Wars? No, but I quite liked it. <laughs> yeah, totally agree, mate. Uh, so, in other news, Disney Plus trials have launched. Where? Where? Well, well to, be, to be specific, it's like a... Uh, it's a few hundred miles, pretty much, and slightly northeast, northeast of where we are recording right now um, <laughs> in the Netherlands. In the Netherlands, Disney Plus has trials on for the public. And this includes all, all of the Star Wars titles. And hear this, people. A New Hope retains the 20th Century Fox fanfare which i thought was pretty cool um and so far it looks like the two most popular things um to to stream on there are number one the simpsons yep number two star wars rebels no way yeah 100 100 it's confirmed it's early days it is early days 
but people love going to streaming services and, and watching TV. Um, and, and I think from a film perspective, I know all of the Star Wars films are up there yeah. right now. But yeah, like I said, it's early days. Um, but there we go. I thought that was super interesting. And the fact that they chose Holland to um, start it, you know, kind of makes sense. It's quite a um, small market. Holland, you know, it's quite a small country. And it's a nice little testing ground for this sort of thing. Now, I am still convinced. Now, let's bring it back to hashtag cheeky Mandos for the lads. Yes. I'm still thinking there's going to be a way to watch The Mandalorian legally in the UK come November. Watch this space, right? Hashtag cheeky Mandos for the lads. Yeah, it's going to be lit. And we're, we're, going, to, we're going to be coming up with something related to that, that real spicy real soon. But um, keep posted, people. It's as spicy as a Nando's itself. I, I thought this was great to see that, you know, it's real. It's tangible. We all know Disney's bus was coming, but to see people sharing pictures. And I'll tell you what, the interface and the images they use are out of this world. Like the... Like on Netflix, when you click on one of the films to watch and it comes up with the name, the title, the cast and all that, the images they're using are incredible. And a few shows back, we mentioned that the films are getting a new Blu-ray release with these brand new artwork. That is what they're using on Disney+. And it looks spectacular on the big screen from the pictures that we're seeing mm. now. And A New Hope retaining the 20th Century Fox fanfare. It's going to bring back all those films because obviously Disney is the monster they are eight fox up uh for breakfast they now have them so you know they could do that if they want and i was watching a show on youtube the other day from a uh movie pundit whom i trust uh quite a lot they usually get a few scoops right somebody asked them what what's the chances of you know the uk and other territories getting the mando in november given that things like we have disney life over here and things like that so we have like a, re- a built-in a ready-made platform however that is fairly kid-centric though i will say that uh, we have it in this household and it is very much aimed at children in terms of just how it's set up and laid out. It's a very kid-friendly app. However, the guy on YouTube was saying that he's got it on fairly decent authority that th- this could happen. We could actually get it in November. The only problem to that is we're running out of time quite quickly because we've got less than two months now mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get that. I mean, let's face it. If it's coming out in the UK and the other territories in November, the deal's already made. They've already signed the paperwork. They're just waiting to release mm-hmm. the news. But obviously the more, the, sorry, the closer we get to the 12th of November of uh, hashtag Cheeky Manos for the last day, the less likely it's going to be that we're going to get it. But got to hold out hope because that, but Disney Plus looks great so far. And Star Wars Rebels being the second most streamed show, it's a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. Oh, yes. <laughs> he included it. He included it. I couldn't agree with you more, body. Mate, body, mate. buddy. Hello, buddy. Hello, the body. Force is strong with this one. The Force is tired with this one tonight. <laughs> it's Monday, guys. Come on. So what do we have next? Uh, something we spoke about last week. The eagerly awaited Age of Resistance Snoke comic arrived. Actually arrived last week, September 11th, the day Oof. we dropped the show. So but I'm not going to go into it because, again, spoilers and all that. I'll just say what I, what I thought about it. And after all the build-up, and obviously we got so excited about it, I'm happy to say it was just all right. I thought it was just okay. And lots of people are getting are saying it's great. I thought it was fine. What I will say is it's not actually really about Snoke. It's pretty much Kylo's story. It's, you know, it, we all knew it's how it was some of the methods Snoke yeah, used to that. train Kylo. But it's pretty, it's Kylo's story, and Snoke's just there, you know, pimping out his gold robe in Dagobah, making Yoda look like a fool in that potato sack he wore. But it's, 
it's it's a good story. I mean, it's interesting. It if you if you if you look at it, it's kind of setting up the major conclusion to the rise of Skywalker. If you ask me, in terms of character arcs and stuff like that, it's literally spelt out in front of you. However, in terms of the comic. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It was good. It wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, considering that we've got Age of Resistance, Kylo Ren coming out in a few weeks' time. We've mm. also got Rose Tico, mm. Bosch, buying that first day coming out. But So if you want a Snoke story, you temper your expectations slightly. If you want a good story, you'll get it. That's good to know, to be honest. I actually... Um... I've actually ordered this comic book from my local comic book store, so I'm going to go pick that up. I think it's either... This week or next week, I'm going to swing by there to my local comic book shop in the uh, in Basildon. Um, just bearing in mind that you know we get we get because these are American mm-hmm. comics, so I think they're printed over there, yeah. over in the states or in Canada, somewhere like that. You know, so it, it takes like oh, there's like a week delay sometimes with with the issues. And I know with my local store, there are some comics that like they just go like hotcakes. Yeah. And you need to order more in or buy them online. But listen, I like I like to try where I can support local businesses. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to try and uh, stick with this dude. Um, I've I've not read anything yet. I've seen a few panels online on Instagram and whatnot, and a few people talking about it. I still think I'm going to copy it and and have a little cheeky read it's with, with a coffee it's, at some it's point. It's a good comic. Well, I told myself, obviously, our, our regular listeners know that I used to collect a lot, of, even even the ongoing, quote unquote, Star Wars uh, comic line um, and, and a, a few of the other ongoing issues. But I stopped mostly because of price and also the quality of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these little standalone comics, you know, dude, I, I really enjoy those. And the limited series really enjoy those. So I'm I'm definitely looking at getting this. I might pick up the Hux one as well. I enjoyed that one. I've told I've told the comic book boss man to uh to order one of those in if if possible as well. Um because again he he sold all those. He sold all his Hux ones. And then we get a Kylo Ren one as well. So I'm looking forward yeah, to that we've one. We've got Ray, Rose Tico, Kylo Ren, uh I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting somebody, but we're getting those guys as well because we've we've had Finn and Hux as well. Um, I think we're getting a Poe Dameron one yes. as well, even though Poe's had his own story. But I love these one-shots because it gives a chance just to tell a contained story, which probably has wider implications. But like the Finn one, Finn one was, uh, you know, you can't spell fine without Finn. It was fine. The Hux one I thought was great. This one was <laughs> this one was good. I'm looking forward to what they do with Ray's one as well, though. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. We don't know much about Ray at all. So bring them on. I love these little one-shots. That's a good shout. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. And I tell you what, mate, if it's going to be near as good as the C-3PO standalone <laughs> comic from like 2015, which explains how he got the red arm, I didn't recognize him. then I'm down. Absolutely. And guys, support your local comic book stores as well. Good shout from Master Blywalker. Absolutely. And then finally, to wrap up this fine, fine week of news ahead of its final, that's right, final season of Star Wars Resistance, it actually went and only won a cheeky little award, didn't it? It won the Saturn Award for Best Animated Series. So there we go. Congratulations, Dave Filoni and all the other animation team over at Lucasfilm. I think that's kind of well earned. I, I love Star Wars uh, animation. You know, I don't think Resistance was its strongest uh, when it comes to... Uh, animation um i think the style was real different 
but I've I've said this before, you know, it's for me it's the repetition of always being on the the Colossus mm-hmm. on on that same planet. This I find it visually, you know, a little a little dull sometimes. Yeah. But um, all in all, it's it is a good looking show. It's a very good looking show, especially when you line it up against its uh like competition uh, kids shows. Blimey. Oh, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying. When they when they got off the Colossus more towards the end of the se- season, it, it started to expand the expand the galaxy that little bit more. It looked great, and the second season, like we spoke about, looks great because they're expanding the scope. Sadly, it's the final season for whatever reason. However, it's great to see that it's winning this Saturn Award because it's a prestigious award to win for the best animated series, and of course. You can watch all of the episodes of Disney Plus when it comes out, and I'm going to, I think, because I, I, uh, I didn't mind. I thought Resistance was okay. I've said it before; it got better as it went along. However, I'm willing to kind of give it more. I'm willing. Listen to me. I'm more than happy to give it a, a full-on stream now. That, well, obviously, because we're watching it week by week on week. With them all there, you can kind of binge them, and so just to see oh, if the story, how, you know, how how you feel with a binge. So I'm looking forward to doing that because I did that with Rebels actually. I. Uh, I think we said that before, I started late like you did, a bit later, the second season. So I was able to watch the f- whole first season and that really helped because I think watching it week by week may have been a bit of an issue, where, which is what I think I got from, from Resistance where I was, wasn't was getting fully invested where it was in a, with one old binge, I think I'm going to probably enjoy it more and I can't wait for the second season. So yeah, well done Dave Filoni, Lucasfilm Animation, everybody on board. So yeah, well deserved guys. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, a.k.a. Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. So now for the main discussion, you guys have seen us talking about it on on the socials, but this is something that uh, Luke and one of his buddies came up. We spoke about it when we were on a little cheeky chain ride last week, Uh, and it basically comes down to did technology help or hinder George Lucas's Star Wars movie. So, of course, we're talking episodes one through six, including the special editions. And did George Lucas, he is a pioneer. We know that he is, you know, he's pretty much responsible for the birth of digital film and so many of the things we take for granted now. But was it better in the old days? Yeah. That's what we're asking. So, uh, Master Blywalker, firstly, why this subject? i tell you why I like it, because it's brilliant. But, you know, because you were compelled for this. You were compelled <laughs> to get this one on the show, and I'm all for this. Well, I think this is something that um, that really people can be taught, have literally spoken about for like 40 years mm-hmm. when you think about it, right? Like you said, Star Wars is the reason, like, some genres even exist, why mm-hmm. some TV shows even exist. And Star Wars has, has led the way in so many different things, and um, note there I say Star Wars, not just George Lucas, yeah. right? Because I feel like when it comes to technology, you know, you look at the original trilogy, Matt. You look at the original trilogy, especially I, I, what comes to mind immediately is some of the scenes in Empire Strikes Back, right? When you look at some of the scenes in Empire Strikes Back, I kid you not, the Yoda scene, right, Dagobah, and some of the starship battles in that and some of the starship flying in that looks better. It looks better than some of the stuff we see in cinema today. Like, I sit there and I believe it. Mm -hmm. I sit there 
And I don't think to myself, oh, that's weird, like anim- animation or animatronics or like CGI or graphics or whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't sit there and go, oh, that's dodgy. You know, I sit there and go, wow. Or even that, I just, I'm just so focused on the story yep. because the technology is so good that I I'm not even sitting there thinking of the technology, right? I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I'm really in a galaxy far, far away and I'm buying into this story, right? And I think that's why the original trilogy was so, so superb, superb at that. Everything from Creech designs, right? I, like, I love Jabba the Hutt. Um, <laughs> I keep um, making that mistake too. <laughs> Jabba the herd. Um, but listen, <laughs> I, so I, I think Jabba, the, Jabba, right? In Return of the Jedi, Fantastic. there was like six. There was like six people in that dude, right? Controlling that dude as as like puppets, puppetry, yeah. right? There was like a dude as the stomach, dude as the tail, right? The guy doing oh, like the eyes, guy yeah. doing the mouth and stuff. And it it looks it looks awesome, and that is like, and and I I think that looks better than some other stuff I see in cinema and some other stuff in Star Wars, right? And that I think is not even like that doesn't even qualify as being like phenomenal or great in the Star Wars universe when it comes to technology, when it comes to design and so on and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. When you're when I'm looking when I'm thinking of like the the a star a plus like scale of technology right i think of a few things and i'm i'm gonna talk about the we're, we're only talking about lucasian era star wars mm-hmm. right yep right okay i think so it's unfair to Yoda, for this sequel trilogy because the technology first has come on leaps and bounds plus they've got a lot more money now let's face it so it's slightly unfair to add the sequel trilogy plus lucas isn't involved in this in these so you know we're talking obviously there's an yes. arc for george so Yes. No, no, no. Well, no. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we've clarified that. I'm probably not good at that sort of stuff. So anyway, I'm just on a tangent here. Um, <laughs> but Yoda, Yoda in Empire Strikes Back is flawless. Yeah. It is flawless. I sit there and I'm like, that is an actual creature. That's an actual like little green dude. Mm. And I totally buy into it. Mm. And and again, you look at the effects of the um, Imperial Star Destroyers, the Death Star. In the first, first Star Wars, right? A New Hope or Episode 4. It's just mind-blowing that that's from 1977. That is from a time that I did it. I can't even comprehend. I can only look back at those times through like a TV screen, right? Through documentaries, Mm -hmm through when I did papers on the Vietnam War at senior school, right? I can only look back at it when I look at music videos from Pink Floyd, yep. from Led Zeppelin, right? And I and also, I always think of that 70s show. Now, I know that was filmed in like <laughs> the late 90s and, and the early noughties, right? It's a great show. Um, great show, great show. A lot of Star Wars uh, references. There is, actually. yeah. Eric, references, the main yep. character, he's a massive massive star wars fan in it but anyway right the 70s i don't look at the original star wars right and go oh 70s film uh so lame looks so lame i sit there and i believe it i believe (laughs) it i'm like yeah this works and it's just unbelievable seeing all the x-wings physically there actually in a room 
or in not even in a room in a base in a military base set in a galaxy far far away dude i i the, it just looks unbelievable it looks unbelievable and the common theme here man the common theme is that it's all physical it's all real we can almost reach out and touch it the designs are believable right i always say to people like i always feel like star wars things and star wars props and star wars design is always realistic star wars is set in a galaxy far far away right yeah but it actually feels a lot more closer to earth than we realize you know the metal rusts everything decays you know things get dirty things aren't always clean things aren't always new when 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 you first see them on screen you know they're used they're used a little bit they're rough around the edges and i feel like star wars almost like invented that when it comes to science fantasy and when it comes to a science fantasy genre in general you know star wars pretty much wrote it um but that's my that's my first take on this discussion matt you got stuff to add dude yeah always got stuff to talk about it's what we do isn't it jabber the hud and all yeah I, well, yeah 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 coming out uh star wars actually won the uh, academy award for best visual effects back in 77 so the academy the people in the know were you know they 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 said they thought this was the best of that year and it was i mean before, uh, the 70s for me with my filmmaking head on was a great time for effects because people had to people had to improvise people had to use their life in order to get the best they could so if if you're watching a film where uh, like the, the Poseidon adventure fabulous looking film for its time Superman, Alien, Alien came out in 1979. The Alien was just a guy in a leather suit, basically, with a zip on his back. But the way they crafted and built those sets made you believe you were in on the on the Nostradamus or in this other, you know, this far reaches of, of space. There, there were films where beds were levitating, you know, possessed girls were flying in the air and all this other stuff. And it looked tangible. The execution trick was so good. That you believed it was real. <laughs> oh, He's my got it in there. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's rewind that. Let's rewind <laughs> the way you just the 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 speed, the speed <laughs> of he said execution and a drink, and like that yeah. was like a rapper. That was light How speed. Quick that was. I'm sorry. I am sorry. If you did not hear that, go back a few seconds, people, on your player of choice. Put it down and in half, half speed. Yep. Listen, that's got to be, on our show, that's got to be the quickest <laughs> execution I've ever drank, yeah. I've ever, I, honestly. Well, on a stream of consciousness, honestly, basically what, just fanboying it's, about films and all I could think about well, as soon as the word came out, it's natural now. I'm worried that if I say it at work or if somebody at work says that E-word, I'm just going to sit there and go, drink, and look like a right plum. So I'm slightly worried about that, but... That's our thing. We are plums, basically. If, if, no, one's, if, no, one's, if no one's heard that before, like, oh, that's our thing, right? Imagine if this is the first show they listen to. They must think we're right, like, plums. melts. Yeah, it basically, we went... Luke coined the fact that we said execution an awful lot. And then it kind of bleeds into the show. And we say execution. It's a word in film, drink, in filmmaking terms, which is quite easy to use. And then, uh, forgive my soul, I can't quite remember who it was. I think it was, uh, I think it was Star Wars poet, the poet laureate Curtis Smith, actually tweeted saying, this should be a drinking game. Every time the lads say execution, you've got to take a drink. Don't take a shot. Hence why we say drink. 
It's got a hat. So I believe it was um, it was yeah. the man with the mystical voice from across the pond who said it. So Curtis, have one, have two for us, please. So yeah, if you hear us at execution, you just oh, need to. Yeah. It's all about execution. Get slaughtered with me and Luke. It's all about execution. And every time you hear an impression, you have to George, knock a point back. Yeah, George is key to all this, and uh, it's the way we're going to execute it. You know, and uh, it doesn't matter. We can worry about this. <laughs> execution. We can worry huh? about this later. <laughs> um, Lads, drink. Drink. Let's go back um, to the yeah, sorry, That's mate. Right, mate. I've, I've just, I've just flipping plonked another like few minutes onto the podcast. Don't mind if I do. But it's good. But it's good. It's anyway, good chat though. On. It's good convo. It. Listen, let's yeah. face it. There are times when it's got slightly sketchy effects. George Lucas famously hates the shot of the in Return of the Jedi with that star destroyer sort of plummeting into the other star destroyer, where it looks quite frankly awful. But you know, it, it, it's mm. the same film where. The Ewoks, yes, they are kids in suits. They look like little teddy bears. There's no CGI on them. Their eyes move. Yes, we're going to get into the special editions as well. But like you mentioned, Jabba the Hutt looks so good to the point where he tangibly looks like he's actually there on screen. And in real life, the actors could go up and, you know, touch it, pet it, poke it, whatever they wanted to do to Jabba. He was there. No wonder Diego Luna loves him. And again, Empire Strikes Back. Just like it's practical effect, but it's also set design. It's also everything. You know, like say Dagobah, it was on. A, it was done on the soundstage, but you wouldn't know that. You know the way that the mist forms across the floor, the woodland, the it, the way they've built this set and constructed it looks so much better than just CGI in our background. It the passion, the mm. love, and the craft that those guys did. And again, like you mentioned, the OT as well looked so good. The 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 Masasi temples in Guatemala, which double for Yavin 4, there's no additional effects on that. They are as they are seen. The Star Destroyer, the famous opening shot, just imagine seeing that in 77. You'd be like, wow. And so many people were were blown away and say now that that is their most most iconic shot in cinema for them was this tiny little uh, blockade runner with this massive Star Destroyer. And of course, the Empire may not have been the bad guys. Listen to the last show. But... I think that, yeah, I mean, there's a product of its time. Some of the effects aren't always excellent. But for the most part, and this isn't this isn't blind fanboys, and for the most part, the effects look great. And you mentioned creature design especially as well, like little salacious crumb. It looks great. Some of the bounty hunters look a bit ropey in Empire. But for the most part, for what they had to oh, work with... It's brilliant, and this that was George Lucas. It is rough, ready, and raw best. He didn't have everything in the world to play with. Obviously, as the films went on, um, four, five, and six, more money came in, but and he was using what he could, and that's why I loved. I will always love George Lucas, but the George Lucas of the OT was, you know, the free spirited film school George, which I'll always love. And also, like you can't like go without. It, it goes without saying that. Like there are so many practical props that are used in every single Star Wars yeah. film that are from that original '77 film, right? Lightsabers, right? The lightsaber hilts, mm-hmm. yeah. The DL44 blaster yes. that Han Solo uses. Chewbacca, Chewbacca, yeah, looks incredible. I, you know, when I was a little and I first watched the original trilogy at my nan and granddad's house, like I never sat there and thought that's a dude in the suit. 
<laughs> right, and I know I was young. Yeah, I know I was coffee. like real tiny and stuff. But it never entered my mind because the truth was, it's not that like I didn't sit there and try and figure it out. It's the truth is, is that I didn't care. I was like, I don't care. I just, I buy it. I buy into it. I buy into the fact that this is Chewbacca and he is a Wookiee. Right, that's mm. that's it, and that's and that is that is like half the battle, because that's kind of the purpose of of all these kind of of effects. You know, it helps you buy into the story. It helps you buy into the characters. The best effects are the ones situations. you don't notice. Absolutely, R two D two, C three PO, brilliant, brilliant designs, brilliant designs, timeless designs. And they're fantastic. And and the truth is, Matt, we can put them into films nowadays, and they earn nearly two. Or they earn two billion US dollars mm-hmm. globally, yeah. right? These are designs that are timeless, right? And that is because of the genius of not just of George Lucas, but the whole creative crew over at Lucasfilm on the sets and the design departments. And a lot of these people, you know, sadly aren't even with us nowadays, right. right? It's it's just. It's just crazy how time flies, but the, these pieces of effectively of art are here, you know, and that's that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and people, the the OT is rightly revered. It made people's childhood, and Luke actually said it yourself. It's the moments of being able to watch this space opera with the most ridiculous things happening, but not actually mm-hmm. feel pulled out of the story by thinking that doesn't look real or I can tell this is an effect and it's playing with some subconscious part of my mind. It's actually believing that these things are actually happening on screen. And that's a big part of why people will have always gone back to the OT and why people always want things to feel like the OT because it, the effects never got in the way of the story. They were there to accompany it and you know, hold its hand along the way. Um, and that's, that's the best effects. The best effects are, like I mentioned, the ones where you don't notice them. When you can augment effects and uh, practical effects and any kind of Seems computer normal. wizardry. Yeah, Seems and, it, and if it looks, and if you yeah. can't notice it, because, you know, it, it, every film's got some kind of effect in it, but you don't always notice it. Brilliant. That's yeah. what you want. But 77 uh, through to 83, for the most part, those effects look great and mainly, and it's because they were crafted with people's hands and love. Not to say that the later versions were not. Absolutely not, because they were crafted with a lot of passion in a different way. But for that original trilogy, you know, practical wins the day. Can you imagine? Uh, we obviously, obviously we got the we got the special editions. Because I was going to say, if you put CGI in those special uh, in those originals, will it look so good? In fact, George Lucas went and did that. Ah, didn't he? Mm. Mm. Some of it's okay well, though, and we all know. That. Well, some of it is. Some of it is that 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 little pause there, you know, says it all. <laughs> now, some of it does, and I get why George Lucas did it. And he's one of these people, like I hear with a lot of filmmakers, is the truth is they're never completely happy with any of their work. Mm-hmm. Um, it just comes a point where they're like, okay, I'm finished. I have to put this out now because you know people are expecting it. People are paid money to see this, and that's fair enough. But listen, mate, the the, the original trilogy is pretty much timeless, mm-hmm. especially. 
some of the effects behind the Empire Strikes Back, Vader's suit, right? The lightsabers, the battles, the 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 starships flying around. I mean, they, these these guys were like decades ahead of everyone else. It, it's crazy. Yeah, they set but the bar. You know, it didn't it didn't it didn't go without its bad bits. Like like you've kind of already hinted at and, and said. There were some bits where you're like, that doesn't quite look real. Um, I don't buy into that. But that happens in films every all the time, all the time. Yeah. Now, this kind of like transitions us into that moment where in 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 the late 90s, George Lucas was going through um, a storyboard of the basically the, the, the storyboard of The Phantom Menace of Episode 1, the yeah. first prequel. And um, I recount, this is from one of the documentaries where George Lucas is going... Basically, there's there's all these visuals, each storyboard, frame by frame, right? And he's getting a, like a highlighter, yep. and he's telling everyone what is uh, what CGI and green screen, right? He's like, oh yeah, no, all of this is uh, green screen and CGI. This is green screen CGI. This is green screen CGI. Oh, that bit's practical. Okay, George. But, oh no, that's CGI. <laughs> oh yeah, but what about this? No, oh, no. no, that's CGI as well. George. I'm CGI. No, okay, yeah. <laughs> Now uh, we're going to CGI everything. Honestly, Jar Jar is the key to all of this. Whoa. He's the key to all of this. But listen, mate, the ambition of the prequel trilogy, the ambition of the Phantom Menace was like out of this world. Boom. And actually, before we dive into the prequels, right, there is actually some surprising amount of, of practical work in, in the prequels. People don't even realize. Yeah, and I've kind of, of forgotten. A lot right? of models made, aren't the they? The Geonosis Arena, right? The Geonosis Arena. A lot of the Phantom Menace is, is uh, practical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. A lot of the sets. I mean, by I mean, saying that, by, by blinking Revenge of the Sith, there's not a lot that is practical no, outside that's real, of is it? But anyway... Anyway, let's get started on on the prequels. Matt, tell me some of your thoughts, mate, please. Well, I'll start off by saying that the prequel trilogy had some great effects. Some of them were. And we've got to perfect it by saying, like we already have done, that a lot of what George pioneered with the prequel trilogy has only only gone and been used by pretty much every other aspiring filmmaker since. So the PT pretty much started it all. And it is not a... It's not hoopla to say that it, you know, it's fairly well established that the prequel trilogy had a massive effect. It, Attack of the Clones was the first film, I believe, to be shot on digital cinema, digital film, sorry, rather than actual film like the Phantom Menace was. It had some good effects. Some of them were good. It would be folly to say they weren't. I mean, by the time you get Revenge of the Sith, like you say, that's pretty much all just on the computer. But I mean, the opening shot of the Bar- Battle of Coruscant, I think, looks great. That the opening shot mm, and they look down at that battle. I yeah. think that looks fantastic. The graphic, the, I agree. The, the, a lot of the uh, effects have come on leaps and bounds in the six years between Phantom Menace and Sith. And there are some great yep. shots in it. The only problem is a lot of it looks fake. And this is what we were saying. Battlefront 2 has better renders and detail than the prequel trilogy. Maybe that's unfair because it's nearly 20 years later. But, it's just, but do you know what I mean? That's mad. You're looking at like that Naboo on Battlefront 2 and... Or, or even um, Camino, and it has a more of a, the the correct aesthetic that you that you'd believe as a, of a Star Wars location. Certain things like when you see Mace and Obi Wan walking through the uh, walking through Coruscant, you know they're not in a in a in a building. You know that the pillars surround them aren't real. Certain shots. I mean, I've always thought, and we're going to get to this later on. One of our listeners has mentioned this: the Battle of Naboo never looked real to me. Where you've got the gun guns against the droids. 
It is jarring, uh, jarringly obvious. That's fake. Dan Dan Sexton says like that scene in particular. Like we were chatting about this in the office the other day, and he was saying like it looks like a window screen it, saver, like Naboo in that battle. Like I expect it, the sound of music woman to come right. dancing on that hill at some point. It looks so fake, and certain <laughs> other ones as well. Obviously, there are certain landscapes like Felucia, which I happen to quite like. Which you you cannot get something like that in real real life. You can potentially make a model of it and you know augment it with CG effects, but there are certain locations that you just can't create. However, a field, a, a, a big building with pillars. Do you know what I mean? Like certain there are certain places like Camino, Camino, Camino. Could you not have kind of just built a little set? For Camino and I know, right? And, and this, dude, the clone troopers—they're ah. like, why didn't they just wear clone armor? Why did? Why wasn't there physical practical armor? No, at least even, even just a few of them. The Sith, like, like, and and here's the magic question, right? Here is the magic question okay. because the truth is, with the original trilogy, technology overall, overall, it aided George's storytelling. Yes. It aided. The original trilogy story, and we can sit here and mark, you know, what was good and what was bad about the prequel trilogy effects, right? And like you said, that despite a lot of criticism, and I do feel like the prequels are coming into their own little renaissance yeah, at the moment. That's where I you know, they should. a lot of appreciation. Yeah, as they should. But I think it's like it's pretty fair to say that you know the story almost got maybe forgotten in some scenes they got swallowed in up. the prequel trilogy. Not always, not always. But sometimes it felt like the CGI or something or the effects kind of like took precedence over the CGI. And it's a very hard thing to try and explain. But sometimes, sometimes you can almost see it in the actors' faces, right? If they're in a room and it's just green all around them and they're in a studio, you know – you're not going to get the same effect, are you? No, of course it's you're not. not. You've got, be you've got nothing same. to bounce off. I, I agree to that. With that, for the most part, how, the only thing I'd say against that is when people mention the prequels, they always say there's a great story there, but and that's the problem. Like, like I said, the, the 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 great story that the prequels have, the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi and everything else, is super. It's kind of undercut. By the fact that people only remember, obviously, the, some of the bad dialogue, some of the acting, and the effects, and the over-reliance mm-hmm. on effects, and that is, to me, key. George Lucas went far too effects-heavy. Obviously, he obviously got in this new sandbox, he had far too much fun with it, and it hindered the story overall, because the prequel trilogy, I hold dear to the day I pass. The story, of the, the story, if you were to read that, is fantastic. Really w- great story. But people don't remember the story. It's they remember the negatives, and in this case, it's the visual effects. Which, when we're watching it, we are reminded that we're not watching a galaxy far, far away. I, we, I can see that things aren't real. Even like the shading on certain parts of the effects doesn't look natural. Things look too light. They don't look. It doesn't look right. It is noticeably jarring. So, yeah, I, I, I think to the most for the most part, the story's forgotten about because George just went. A bit too mad with the effects, and again, oh, I... yeah, no, that's CGI, that's green screen, yeah, that's going to be green screen, that's all green screen. And, but he just basically went psycho, and you get the stories of like Natalie Portman, who went on to become an Oscar-winning actress, and she's one of my favorite actresses out there, working actresses, almost gave up acting, 
and other actors like came on. I mean, and like Ewan McGregor it was, you know, also famously just like a guy breathless at the fact that he had had to keep. You're being told that basically you're in an arena and there's a big kind of like rhinoceros type alien coming towards you. Look scared. Oh, and Terence uh, Terence Stamp, Chancellor Valorum. He was so looking forward to doing a scene of Natalie Portman. She'd been in Leon, the professional, and things like that beforehand. He came in on set one day to do his scene in the Senate. And Natalie Portman was just a tennis ball on a stick. George was like, there she is up the there. The Senate. In the Senate. It was a big green screen and he had to speak to a tennis ball. And it, like you said, you can't get solicit the best performance out of anyone. Some of the actors, Ewan McGregor, Sir Christopher Lee, Hayden Christensen, who's a good actor, Natalie Portman, Sam Jackson, Ian McDermott. God, I'm sure I'm forgetting some here. Fabulous actors, all reduced mm-hmm. to not given their finest performances and what should have in films where they should have been able to, you know, elicit some magnificent responses uh, performances, Big mainly time. because they were, you know, hamstrung from the uh, from the offset. But I do want to just yeah echo what you said that the ambition of the prequels of the of the effects is you know is is fantastic. What George aimed for should never be taken away from him. And I don't ever want this to turn into like a George was wrong and this is a George slamming session. But, you know, you've got to be able to, like you say, call a spade a spade. And this, the prequel trilogy suffered because of the visual effects. Is it, be- is it because of the yeah. time? No, the Matrix won in 1999 and those visual effects still hold to this day. So it wasn't a case of, yeah, oh, exactly. they're dated. There are films around the same time which look worse and others which look better on a smaller budget. So there, there was precedence, but George, for what he did, ushered I think, in a new I think era. The ambition was just like exactly, exactly, and I think like the ambition was so big, it was so large, it was so high that you know I think the whole team, not just George Lucas, um, kind of like tripped over their own or choked over their own ambition. <laughs> um, I know, banner, chronic banner, bly rector, chronic. Blay Rector Um and I think, you know I Blay Um <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get why there was this big ambition, right? I tell you why. Two words, mm-hmm. two words, Matt. It's Star Wars. Star That's Wars three words. is why. The the uh, what no, I went it's and then Ah the okay, words. yeah. I stand corrected. It's and then we uh, sorry, I should have been more clear. Okay, <laughs> ignore that. Forget Right, forget that it's Star Wars. Right. <laughs> so, you know, but you get why the ambition was so high. And, and you know what? And, you know, it should have been that high anyway, right? They should always be high for, like, the best result. But it doesn't always mean it should get in the way of the story. And I think that's kind of what accidentally happens sometimes. Um, and and, and that, is, that is the only thing. And it, it does come through because when you stand the original trilogy against the prequel trilogy, right, you can totally see the difference. However, however, I will say one thing. What the prequel trilogy did do and the technology around the prequel trilogy did do, especially in Revenge of the Sith, I felt like it expanded the Star Wars lore beyond all imagination. Mate, right? it Suddenly we've got so many more planets that you can even fathom in the original trilogy, right? And that's what that's what George wanted. You know, he wanted more species, he wanted more planets, he wanted more designs and so on and so forth. And he got that and he made that. And it to this day, we still use those designs, right? We still yeah it's it really is amazing. 
It really is amazing, all in all. Um, but it's it's a very interesting conversation. Yeah, and I love those. Like, I love Camino. I love looking like Utapau and, and even like Naboo, which is obviously was filmed on in in Europe here, Northern Europe. I I love all of the environments that he went for. It's obviously just not they not all of them looked as well as they could do. But I mean, it should have come as no surprise that George wanted to expand his his own story. And again, it, this is George's story. He can do whatever the heck he wants, and I respect all of that. And obviously, it shouldn't have come as a surprise because with the special editions, he changed his own original trilogy, which you know was lauded as one of the greatest trilogies of all time. He's gone back and thought, mm, nah, and he's decided to add oh, no. these new um, amendments to it. He wanted to expand the, like I say, the galaxy, add new creatures in, and just make it feel bigger, which is his prerogative, as Britney Spears once said. So the how the prequel trilogy ended up shouldn't have come as much of a surprise, because it, uh, it was hinted at, well, massively, in the special editions, which is kind of like you got a mashup of the prequels and the... Uh, original trilogy. Of course, we also got Bly Snootles and that ridiculous Jedi Rock song as well. well. Thankfully, we didn't get that in the PT. But, you know, it shouldn't have come as much a surprise and it is almost kind of like a foreshadowing. So, I mean, I th- I guess the, the million dollar question is, for us, the question was, did the FX actually, the technical, did technology actually hinder what George was trying to say going forward from start to finish? So, do you think it did? No. No. I don't. Controversially, I don't. Because it's the technology and and the effects is the reason it's all possible mm-hmm. and plausible in the first place, right? Um, it's just I feel like toward the end there of the Lucasian era, mm-hmm. it just got a bit carried away, right? Because you can't have one without the other. Because of the effects, because of the technology, Star Wars was possible, right? But it, it was just the original trilogy got the balance just all, almost perfectly. Right, the prequel trilogy was just a little bit unbalanced, a little bit in places, a lot of it in other places. Um, but yeah, that's that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. But thankfully, I feel like you know this new era has has learned from that and is doing things tremendously. It's begun to make things right, as Lord Sartaker said. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be the contrarian, and I think it did hinder his story. Because whenever I think of the of the PT, again, great story, but it's that big B word. It's not execution drink for once. It's but mm. I the, the the story is yeah. lost underneath underneath George's ambition essentially because the story the, yeah. the tragic story of the PT I think is hindered by George wanting to wanting to do just too much. Like he said, he may have gone a bit too far. I think he did. But I'll always respect and I'll always respect George Lucas. But I'll always, I applaud his ambition and the fact that he went out and just did what he wanted to do in the face of people telling him, like the fans saying he was wrong and this hashtag not what not my Star Wars and all that even back then. So I think that technology hindered the story he wanted to tell him. But looking back now. If it wasn't for those stories and those potential hiccups, we wouldn't get the ridiculous advances we've got. And we've mentioned the technology and the effects of the special, the the sequel trilogy. For the most part, 99% are out of this world, excuse the pun. So, George, you're the man. But I prefer the original trilogy aesthetic and the story that shone through from that. Yeah, I think think there's a happy medium between our answers. And I think 
again, it's it's kind of a yes and no answer, right? The yes, this, yeah, no, that, right? And um, yeah, I'm, I totally agree with everything you've said there, dude. No, well, let, let, let it be let, less bit from us to just say. Should we enter the Bantina and find out what anybody else has to say? The Bantina, wink, wink, banter cantina. Yes, <laughs> let's bowl it in like a couple of G units. Hello there. Look at these guys. It looks like the it looks like the cantina from A New Hope. Look at those brilliant practical effects over there. Oh look, there's a CGI alien. Oh, we can't yeah. talk to him. Luke, order a drink for me, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have two Galactic Guinnesses, boy. <laughs> I don't mind the Guinness actually. Couple of cheeky ones. No, I don't mind a Guinness, man. If I'm, if a, dude, when I when I fancy Guinness, I kill a Guinness. Like when, I, especially like if <laughs> killing younglings, the extra extra, like the the cold one, you know, like yeah. the extra cold one. Oh mate, that is filth. I love that. Start a night with a Guinness, beautiful, beautiful. Right, if we can get to fifty patrons, we'll go. We'll go to Dublin. We'll go on a Guinness tour. And we'll go to Skellig Michael. There's your challenge, guys. Yeah. We'll do a Star Wars session. Full of iron. It, full of iron. That's all we're going for. Just the iron. The iron. <laughs> yeah, just and every rest of it here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, it's a new week. You know what that means. It is new words, new opinions from you guys, the best listeners in the galaxy. We asked you guys to join in this main discussion, and here is what you guys had to say. First off, we got a cheeky little voice message, and none other than the King of Wales. <laughs> I've heard it's basically the other persona of none other than Tom Jones. It's Luke Summerfield. Let's hear it. Personally, believe the technology hindered George at the time. He should have gradually introduced it. I mean, look how awful the Battle of Naboo looks. The battlefield looks like a Windows XP background. Why not find a real beautiful field, then digitally put in the Gungans and the droid armies? Also, not one clone in the prequels was non digital. Why? It's almost like George just wanted to make movies from his armchair at home. What was he thinking adding those awful-looking CGI scenes into the original trilogy? Like the Jabba added in A New Hope looks like a dribbly bird poop. Whereas the original puppets from Return of the Jedi still look awesome. At the end of the day, George was an ideas man who needed people around him to keep him in check. He He pioneered the way on CGI filmmaking, but used it way too much. We all love real sets, locations and puppets, George. But without them, would we even be here talking about the wars? No. I love the prequels, the originals and the sequels, all for different reasons. That's my rant of the week, guys. Take care. What a voice. What a voice. What a king. king. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's... Luke has pretty much mentioned some of the things we've already mentioned, and he went overboard. He went overboard. George, it, yeah. it, it was too much. Yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. Luke, yeah, you've gone yeah, over. We've gone too far. <laughs> so, oh, I've gone over. Oh, you've gone <laughs> over, mate. Me, him, everyone, all the Lukes have. Skywalker, we're all done for. Um, but, dude, listen, like, and, and I think that's also part of the Lucasfilm politics of that era, that I don't think there was as many people reeling George in. Yeah. You know, and I've said that in multiple shows. I think George was kind of like given free reign to do whatever he wanted. And I think actually some of his closest advisors and maybe some of the guys at Lucasfilm should have been a little bit more braver and said, look, mate, I don't, I'm not feeling this. And I'm not, I, I wonder, I mean, there's no 
I mean, we, we don't know for definite, but I wonder if there was like too many yes men in Lucasfilm and Star Wars at, at that time, maybe. Um, but there we go. There we go. All in all, though, I'm still a prequel lover yeah. and I'm in love with what we got because I grew up with it. So, yeah, take take it with a, a, little, a little smidge of salt. Spicy salt. Yeah, it's a crate salt. It's Star Wars. I love it. You know what I mean? I'm, again, we've mentioned before, we're not quite the blind fanboys. We do acknowledge the flaws, but, you know, it's Star Wars in it. I'm going to like it. And I do enjoy the prequels. I, do, I, I watch them more than most people would probably want to admit. And, yeah, I agree with what Luke has said, that uh, Luke Summerfield and Luke Bly. Like, yeah, Luke, Lucas did, you know, he let his ambition outweigh his, you know, his reach, essentially. But, yeah, in terms of the Yes Men, Rick McCallum, who's the producer, just, you know, source of great comedy in the in the documentaries, he just looked like he was pleased to be working on Star Wars, to be honest, and didn't want to jeopardise yeah. his meal ticket. And I mean that of all due respect, because Rick McCallum is a very decent producer. Whether there was too not enough, because you hear the stories that there were lots of people who were trying to rein George in. You hear other stories of the technical, the visual effects artists kind of thinking, wincing when they were being told to do something. I think, oh, I don't really want to do it, but we have to... We never, we're never going to know. So, but on the on the on the surface, it does kind of look like obviously George was the king, and you know what he said goes. Yeah. Which to an extent I can understand. He's pumping the money into it for the most part. So, but yeah, I totally agree with there, Luke. So thank you so much for that voice message, and also from Patreon. Another of our Patreons, KT one two zero KT. She said, with the prequel trilogy, it helped the stories that Lucas was trying to tell. Interesting. If you think about it, if it wasn't for the technology, we wouldn't have had such memorable moments in the PT era, like the pod racing scene, the uh, the arena Crane. sequence, and Yoda versus Dooku in clones, plus the epic space battle. Here we go at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Now I mentioned the Battle of Coruscant; it looks mentions. great. I, the pod racer, yeah, absolutely. It's technically, the pod racer scene still holds up to this day. I will fight anybody who says otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I, do you know what? I will absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. That's one of the best bits out of The Phantom Menace. It looks fantastic. I'm not as crazy about the Yoda Dooku scene, I'll be honest, because it seems uh, I would have done that a little bit differently, but it, it don't matter. That's what we got. And I still think it looks great. And I liked it when I was a little and when I first watched yeah. Clones in cinemas. I it as a kid. And, uh, oh, dude. The beginning of Revenge of the Sith, that's got to be like one of my favourite introductions to a Star Wars yeah. film, full stop. The way they just, that is just the, the ships just pan down into this massive battle which was covered by that so Republic ship. Amazing, amazing, love it. Oh, it's cheeky, it's cheeky. <laughs> Up next, another patron, Sean Hudson, said some of the additions in the special editions um some of the additions in the special <laughs> editions are english eh? what a, what a funny language um were just plain well banther done uh but some were great the party scenes the end of, of uh, return of the <laughs> yeah. jedi rock i totally agree with that um yeah we are free uh, and the victory celebration that is like yeah, the, best the best song ever and then Sean goes on to say what they did in 77 with the technology available was amazing. And yeah, it was. And and to this day, you know, we can still look back at that with absolute awe because the reason Star Wars is Star Wars today and the fact that we have this amazing saga that is coming to an end in, in December this year in 2019 yeah. is because of the hard work in the effects and the story and the beautiful balance in between of those two things that we got in 1977. 
just to think it's coming to an end soon. It's mad, isn't it? So, Jocasta Who, Jocasta Who, what a name, said, Honestly, I think it actually hindered the Lucas movies. The story of the prequel trilogy was buried beneath the abundance of effects, whereas the practical look of the OT still carries that charm and tangibility. I, well, I echo that. Yeah, I fully agree, I think, with that Jocasta. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Up next, Brock Bellinger added technology truly helped George Lucas' Star Wars movies overall. Hmm. Lucas utilised technology in order to bring his iconic saga to life on screen. Both the original trilogy and the prequels changed the way movies are made. The pioneering special effects worked work created ilm visual effects yeah absolutely dude spot on add on add on uh, skywalker sound chx pixar everything else you can imagine as well on top of that so um hangar bay 327 lucasfilm and the subsidiaries created a bulk of said technology themselves yes uh we might think one way or another but it's his story to tell you're right right there he went back and did the special editions the way that he george originally wanted to because he could afford to and that's right, he, Luke George has always said that he was never happy with the scope of the original trilogy, hence why he expanded the special editions. And some of the editions were great, like the way that opened up Cloud City in Bespin. Brilliant, really helped the story out. Some of the ones, like that additional rock to help R2 hide on Tatooine, pointless. But some of them were very good, I, I, I will argue. And obviously having Ian McDermott as the Emperor rather than that, that weird Clive dude, brilliant. But, uh, yeah, so, again, I can't begrudge him, George, even if I didn't fully agree. Absolutely. Up next, Fly on the Wall Do podcast, the our favourite people from Down Under, added this wisdom. They said, when I was about five years old, I asked for a huge plastic model ship for my birthday. You know, the kind of big, fiddly, complex and full of details. Given the fact that I'd only built Lego stuff before, it was a big, ambitious leap for me. Needless to say, I struggled with it. What should have and could have been a masterpiece ended up pretty rough. Sure, it was the shape of a ship, but it wasn't quite right in many, many ways. There's your answer. And, yeah, I, I, I actually really like that, that story and analogy. And, and I think that perfectly describes what George was kind of aiming for. You know, sometimes you aim for something, you have something in your head. doesn't always come out uh, in real life the same way. It doesn't always get executed drink the, uh, the right way. Cheers, lads. Uh, great guys from the Fly on the Wall podcast. So thank you once again, Luke and Woz. Uh, Kelly Hoston, day one, I said, both trilogies suffer from bad effects, which is understandable, but I think the OT benefited from the raw effects work. It felt more real. Great effects aren't notable, and bad effects can derail a movie. Can't agree more yeah. with you there, Kelly. So true, so true. Up next, again, day one, regular listener and contributor Genevieve Therese Remy said... I've been thinking about effects on movies all week after rewatching Avatar after a decade. <laughs> Yikes. Investing everything into effects is a terrible idea because effects almost never age well. The only effects I think have aged well are the animatronics in Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. But in the prequels, the effects severely affected the acting. That's why everything is so stiff. Actors benefit from interacting with their environment, especially an actor like Natalie Porton that takes such intellectual approach to her work. The CGI effects in the special editions make me uncomfortable. I can't stand them. 
at least at least the puppets were meant to look a very Jim Henson workshop type of way. Practical effects work better for the tone of Star Wars than CGI. So true. Say it, hey, so say it like you mean it, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I think that's a great shout. Yeah, um, again, practical effects just work better. Thank you very much, Boss Lady, for that. Um, Coma Edits 96, pretty simple. Practical effects over CGI. Easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Um, next, Dan Alex Hale said, yes, there are very poor choices to use modern technology in the movies, but some of it was visually stunning, like the pod race. Yes, and even the Geonosis dogfight between Obi-Wan and Django. Yeah, yeah. good shout. First time we've mentioned that in this show. Uh, so, yeah, 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 good shout. I remember that. The seismic charges, just for that noise again. Um, Lolo and Big J, two great people, fans. I'm big fans of these guys. Uh, I think what hurt Lucas is reaching a point where nobody was around to check his ideas. So much of the original saga was achieved through collaboration with his wife, with Kazdan, etc. Great shout. No one was there to say, maybe you should rely less on digital effects. Maybe we don't need a bunch of random aliens clutching up the screens. Maybe Yoda shouldn't be doing backflips. Maybe people shouldn't twirl their lifesavers around without purpose. Maybe sometimes less is more and that final paragraph boom. sentence is you know hits a nail on that head boom that is that is true that is true sometimes less is more um i love minimalism i don't like too much minimalism but um yeah i, I think that pretty much hit a nail on the head phil from the 80s said helped overall but what he did to all the moss Eisley scenes in a new hope is unforgivable oh Juice! Fire emojis. 100 sign with underlying emojis. Everything. Savage. Fire. Naughty. What have we got now? Alsatia. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Great quote there from, uh, from Spider-Man of all places. But um, yeah, true. He had the power. He also had the responsibility. Was it wielded properly? That's up to you guys to tell us. Absolutely. And then a cosplaying legend and Essex boy, yes. Gav Backer said, I got a hold of a despecialized versions of the original trilogy a few years back and won't watch the special editions again. The CGI has dated far worse than the practical effects. More importantly, the unnecessary changes to some of my favorite moments in the trilogy. And then in uh, brackets, it says Vader's redemption and hand shooting first. Yeah, I think that's some good points. But then again, like, victory celebration is pretty sweet. Um But no, everything else, I kind of get. I kind of get. Did you see the despecialized versions, by the way? Do you know what? I have, because those are the original versions I saw around my nan and granddad's house. Is it Har- Harmy's, Harmy's despecialized edition, I think his name is? Harmy's? Something is... like that. Yeah, I was just interested to whether you'd seen them or not, but they're, they're the ones you no. saw, which is quite interesting. No, so I saw, yeah, I saw the ones on VHS from, so that would have been like the the VHS copy from the, the mid-90s maybe, but it was definitely before the special editions. Because, yeah, yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember thinking, just like, I, I remember watching like on ITV one time, like changes to the, to the, like, dvd or to the to the original films and thinking like what what is this this is weird <laughs> um and it was it was because it's like the new special editions were coming out right um that's when like the dvd copy was like basically being played on on public television and yep. stuff and um yeah I, I i remember thinking like what is this this is crazy but again it didn't really bother me 
I was, I was just a bit confused, but then again, I was a young'un, so there we go. Yeah, we'll let you off then. And Disney Plus is showing the latest versions of the, the original and prequel trilogies. They're not showing the the uh, the original ones, so just bear that in mind, guys. And finally, Sir Cabbage, aka James Bly, what a man! He summed it all up simply by saying, "Hinder." So say it Ooh, again. Keep it blunt and spicy, James. He thinks they hindered Absolutely. it. So we kind of split down Absolutely. the middle, I think, with those with those answers. In, yeah, uh, and I think a I lot think. of them are reasonable. Yeah, I think so. There's, we never uh, of all the answers we got. Again, that's just a that's just a filtered down version. We didn't get more than that. But none of them ever came out and attacked George Lucas, which is as you shouldn't do. Let's just say that. But everybody had a, a measured response, and you can't ask for more than that. So thank you so much for that, guys. Absolutely, Lulu. Right. Okay. So up next, we got some Patreon news for your lovely ears. If you don't know. Go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars sessions because we got some deals on there from as little as $2 a month for less than a cheeky cup of coffee at Starbucks or Costa Coffee, wherever you have your coffee. You can contribute to your favorite Star Wars show. And long story short, people, this week we dropped our first, our first episode of Star Wars sessions podcast for our patreons yeah how about that on monday we dropped this spicy one it's 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 an absolute banger and we spoke and theorized on the rise of skywalker's final box office figures whilst on the train to the big smoke aka london so you amazing patrons get to hear our thoughts on that and also on top of that in the coming weeks you're going to get a jibber jabber jabber the hud yeah, nailed that. Yeah. Uh, and that's coming real soon. That is Matt's solo show. And then on top of that, you're going to get the journals of Luke Blywalker. That's coming real soon, where I chit-chat about my own stuff too. It's going to be well worth it. Patreon is going to be lit, people. I can smell the fumes of spice right now. Care packages are going out imminently, guys, so keep your eye on your post boxes. Uh, we've also got something pretty spicy, speaking of which, lined up regarding our little trip to London last week. That's going to be revealed soon, so watch this space and the socials. All I will say is Luke Bly and Matt Hudson's tiny little minds were blown to the other side of the galaxy by this oh, trip. yes. That's all I can say about it. Gen- genuinely was. Uh, we've also got another little bit of news. Shall we drop it now regarding a little event coming up? Let's 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 give a let's give a tasty little 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 sneak peek. A little morsel. Okay, guys, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one thing. Okay, it's gonna be this sentence. Okay, October 2019, MCM Comic Con, London. Boom, it's lit. Make of that what it's you will, lit. guys. And we're gonna be, we're gonna be talking more about that as a, as the weeks go on. But I think you may un- understand what we're getting at here. But yeah, excited to be. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on, and do you know what? That's only some of it. There's so many more things that are being worked on, which are just gonna. They, they might, again, I can't handle it half the time. Put it like that. And uh, Luke's a stronger man than me, so I think he he can he can handle this better than I can. It's so exciting. Ah, uh, it's gonna be so good. It's gonna be real good. So talking about exciting, talking about good, talking about real good. What's that in my ear? Something tickling my ear. It's the tones of Curtis Smith. Take it away with a poem about a Drewback and a Stormtrooper. Who rescued who? We writers of Dewbacks are proud and we're few. I keep his nails trimmed and I shovel his poo. I see to his needs before I do my own. When I'm with my Dewback, I'm never alone. 
We hunt for those droids wherever they flee. A life without dobacks just isn't for me. Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. Oh, you've all seen Star Wars. You're listening to a Star Wars podcast. But it's a little known fact, actually, that Curtis Smith is in every movie. He's in every comic. He's in every book, series, and game. He is the Force. Curtis is the Force. Oh, I was a bit premature then. Hang on. You done? Ready? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Always Curtis. (gasps) Always a legend. Bang. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. Hey, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Time to get out now to finish off. We have the Star Wars Sessions game with Matt and Luke. And this time it's me with the golden bow tie on. I shall be hosting Luke, my man. After last week where you made me ring ring up a bloke in America who had no idea it was coming. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do that this time. Uh, are you ready, though? That was a fantastic <laughs> bit ready. of radio, though. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I do apologise for last week. But it still, it's brilliant. all banner. It's all banner. I'm, I'm ready, though. I'm ready. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. I've got ten, ten questions, I think. Here we go. First one. First one's easy. They get better. First one. Who's going to win a lightsaber duel between Darth Vader and Kylo Ren? Oh... Okay, in 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 real life, which is obviously the Star Wars universe, Vader. But on, but on Battlefront Two, it's Kylo because he goes around like freezing fools. Yes, it's mental. It's really good. So um, yeah, but mostly Vader. Mostly Vader. Okay, who's the better dancer, Doctor Everzan or Ponda Baba? Ponda Baba. <laughs> he sounds I mean, like a better dancer. Even- her name even has rhythm. Ponda Baba. Yeah, you could put Ponda that Baba to a fresh little beat. <laughs> yeah. Look, watch this space. SWS Extras. Luke's just going to rap Ponda Baba. Uh, I've put him on the spot now. So, next one. Oh, mate, it's happening. 27th Bacon are a bit busy. Obviously, their quality, they're a bit busy. You need someone to bake a cake for a surprise gathering. But only Wooha, the cantina barman, and Bib Fortuna are available. Who are you picking to bake that cake? Oh, mate. Oh, you know who it is, don't you? It's going to be Bib's Naughty Baking Company. <laughs> is he a Blylek Bib's as well? serving up some spicy carrot cake. Yeah, he's <laughs> a Blylek. He's one of my homies. He's one of my brothers. Honestly, I reckon he's... Dewanawanga cake. I'll be like, yes, Bib, carrot cake, mate. Hurry it up. I do want a Wonga, yes. Um, yes, out absolutely. of Ezra Bridger and Canus, Canaan Jarrus. Canus. Canus. <laughs> uh, out of Ezra <laughs> Canus. <laughs> oh dear. It's, we are tired tonight. Out of Ezra Bridger and Canaan Jarrus, who would be able to smell what The Rock was cooking? Okay. Okay. Um, it's, I'm going to be harsh, but I'm going to call a spade a spade and say Canaan. Because he's lost his sight oh. and all his other senses an have, answer. you know, increased. So there we go. There we go. Okay, so that's that's my thank answer. Thank you all for blinding Canis. Uh, who would you rather yeah. sit next to on a long plane journey? Dexter Jetster or Yoda? Oh, Yoda, mate. Because 
that mate that if 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 old Jetster was next to me, right? If he hasn't ordered two seats, right? <laughs> I mean, what what airline are we? No, it doesn't even yeah, matter what airline. It could be Ryanair. It could, it could be Emirates, right? Like, dude, he it's got to be Yoda because at least he'll fit in. And not being funny, if I plugged my earphones in and just wanted a bit of peace from Yoda's like yapping, you know, Backwards like. Talk. I think he, I, I, I think he would just be like, okay, this guy needs, this guy gets it, right? I'll, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him five minutes. Yeah, I reckon Yoda. That's fair enough. Yoda's lived in a swamp planet for a long time, but Jexter Jetster legitimately looks like he stinks. So <laughs> I understand yes. that. Yes. Um, okay, you've won a competition to attend the Euro 2020 final next year. You get to take four mates. Of course, you know me. I don't know, Pevy, Dan Sec. We're all busy. Which four characters are you taking <laughs> to the Euro 2020 final? Right. Okay. Um, okay, let me think. Watto, because Bunts. Because why not? Um, why not? Mace Windu, because he's a player. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Obi Wan, because he's just a nice guy. Okay. Everyone needs a bit of Obi Juan in their life. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say finally George Lucas. Aww. I'll take George with it. Oh yeah, no. What's going on here? Where's the green screen? Is that a is that a green screen? Yeah, That'd yeah. be great. It's gonna be beautiful. He, he would be he'd just bemoan the fact that, that grass was real that they're playing on. Um, good show. Uh, yeah, I like that one. Okay, who would be better? Who would be better equipped to soothe a crying baby to sleep? Thrawn or Tarkin? Tarkin. Yeah. Tarkin every day. Oh yeah, it's just a soothing voice. That bad boy voice. Oh yeah, I reckon. Fair enough, I'll take that. Okay, who who is bringing the buff? Ben Solo or Poe Dameron? <sighs> oh, get out. Is that even a question? Have you seen our boy Swolo in The Last Jedi? <laughs> Dude. A thick baby. He is, he is proper thick. Yeah, it's got to be our, our boy Ben. Yeah, Sol's Dameron. I love the way you're calling him Ben as well. Ben Solo, yeah, man. Ben Swolo. Dench. Two more. What line of dialogue is the most fly? What's the most pulse racing? Now that I'm with you again, I'm in agony. My heart is beating, hoping that that kiss will oh not my. become a scar. Or, oh no. I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. I mean... Which gets the uh, pulse racing more, man. I mean... I guess the first one? You know? I mean, you hope I the guess... kiss doesn't become a scar? Yeah. I mean, it's all a little weird, isn't it? It's like, it's like someone, it's like an alien who's like, doesn't understand human emotions come down to the earth and it's like studied love and is just like regurgitating all this dialogue, like from all different, like, rubbish. like it, it, yeah, I'm going to go with the first one. And I don't think either of those are the right answer, sadly. Yeah, the right go. answer is none of them. <laughs> I've been dying a little bit since you came back into my life. That's not really the nicest thing exactly. to hear. And finally, if I gave you a tenner, would you please like Rose Tico? I mean, I don't hate her, you know, like, but I, I don't sit there... Dude, it like you could pay me anything, and I will, you know. Yeah, how about you give me the ten pound, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, and I'll watch the Last Jedi. You for can you. buy how the Age of Resistance Rose right? comic. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'll buy yes. it for you. All right, okay, okay. 
All right, maybe that might that maybe that might spark like a little bit more interest in her. Fair enough. Maybe I'm I'm gonna watch, next time I watch Last Jedi, I will genuinely genuinely try to be a little bit open more minded when it comes to our girl Rose. I love okay. Rose. I think she. I, I really like her. I've always liked her. I mentioned in my review two years ago that I actually really liked the character. So Star Wars sessions listeners, watch out on socials because Luke might be posting a picture of this Rose Tico comic, which has suddenly appeared on his doorstep from somebody who he can't think who. Um, trust me, it's probably going to happen as well. What is also going to happen is the is the worst news of the night. That is that for episode 30 of Star Wars Sessions, the big three zero. I know, wow. but the 30 isn't dirty. The fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find me and you and I, Master Blywalker? They can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. They can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions with the S at the end. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a voice note or message to our email address, SWS at whatwatchtonight.co.uk send us an email on sws at whatwatchtonight.co.uk and if you want to support the show further please consider checking out our cheeky little patreon at patreon.com forward slash star wars sessions yes we are on anchor fm spotify apple podcasts and if you're in the galaxy you can find a podcast you will find us there even some which we don't know about we get told about it which is fantastic to hear if you love the show please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast platform of choice because it really helps the show grow and we we appreciate all the support and love you give us anyway so i thank you and a salute for that absolutely and people 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 please tell your friends about us tell your mum tell your dad Tell your mate, tell your cat, tell the local bloke who works at McDonald's, tell your cousin, tell the neighbourhood sand person. Mm. The more, the merrier, the castle spicier. Tell your Tico and tell your Lucas. This is the podcast you're looking for. So until next time, from me, it's hashtag Cheeky Man Knows with the lads and see ya. And from Luke. <laughs> May the force be with you. Always. Essex-based podcast heroes... Special effect without a story is a pretty boring thing. Yeah, well that's a country club.